Good morning. My name is Stan Horton. <clears throat> I have the honor of reading today's scripture, which comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, found on page 977 in the Black Pew Bible. If you do not have a Bible of your own or know someone who needs one, please feel free to take one of the Pew Bibles as our gift to you. Again, that is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, starting on page 977. And to the apostles he gave the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking in the truth of love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The word of the Lord. What, what a good use of our time. What a way to build up the body of Christ, um, to spend time praying together um, for those in our body um, and praying for those that are a part of our body elsewhere, uh, part of the body of Christ. Um, so we'll, we'll keep going and we'll see how long it takes to get there. Um, I have a couple of announcements before I preach. The first one is that next Sunday, there is a child safety training in Sunday school. This is if you uh, want to work with the kids, you have to go through that. Or, um, or if yours has expired, it would be good to go through that again. So that's next Sunday during Sunday school. Next, this next Friday, uh, we will have our first Lenten prayer meeting at 7. So this one won't have a meal. It'll be at 7, eat before you come. Uh, but then come and pray, and, and it's good, as we just experienced, it is good to pray with the body of Christ. It is good to pray together. Um, so I encourage you, come to that, especially if you're new to Lent, come to that, and we'll talk about it and explain it a little bit. Um, do that. Also, there is, after church today, there is a, an all-nations mentorship meeting after church. Um, so if you are a part of that or interested in that, um, just a reminder for that. Now, I will release the children for Children's Church. Um, it will be, they will be coming back before church is over, so a heads up to parents, because we want them to 
be a part of and to, to witness the baptism that's happening. Um, so that's children's uh, four years through second grade, I think. Uh, there's people back there that will help you if you are new. So with that, let's um, stand, if you're able, and affirm our trust in Scripture. Let's say it together. All flesh is like grass, in all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. You may be seated. This past month, uh, meaning in January... The elders, we had our annual elder retreat where we go and we pray and we seek the Lord's guidance for what to focus on in the the next year. Um, And we do this every year and it seems like at least every year that I've been there, every year the Lord gives us a passage. He brings to mind a passage of scripture um, to the elders, to multiple elders, and then then we're able to, to focus on that and that helps us to come up with our purpose, to come, not our purpose, our, our priorities, what we're focusing on. Um, we get our purpose from Scripture as well, but, but um, we go each year to, to think, what do we need to focus on this coming year? What does our body need? What do we as elders need to do? This year, God brought us to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. So this morning, I'm going to be preaching on that um, so you have probably seen, at least on Realm, or maybe in your folders, a little handout like this. This is just printed. Yours would, be look, it would look better than this. Um, that has our priorities. It has our, our purpose. It has our vision. Um, so this is, it's not, I'm not preaching on those. I'm preaching on the text, but we very much get our priorities from this text. Um, and I think it's so cool that God does that. God speaks to his people through his word. At every elder retreat that I've been to, he's done that. And I imagine um, all or most of them going, going back. But not only elder retreats, but in our day-to-day life, God brings scripture to mind that we need to hear. God communicates to his people. Um, and it is why that, that we as elders and we as people, we can have confidence that we are going in the right direction. If it was up to just, just the elders and our own wisdom to decide how we should lead a church, we would be lost. If it was up to you or us as we try to decide how should we live our lives today, we would be lost. But God is a good God that communicates clearly and concretely through his word. Um, so let's dive into, well let me, uh, I do want to share, as we go through the, the sermon, hopefully you will hear an overlap of the priorities. So our priorities um, this year, maturity, health, unity, support, and growth. But those all come from we desire to see the body of Christ here at Shadham built up. That comes directly from this passage. Um, and then as we go through it, you should hear some overlap into those, uh, those words. We just choose those words. They help us focus um, for how we should lead and how we should proceed this year. So we'll dive into the passage, um, and we're looking at the metaphor of the body of Christ. We're looking at how the body of Christ looks and what a healthy body is, and it's such a helpful metaphor, the body of Christ, because we all have a body. We've all experienced what it is like to have a body that is not healthy and is not working as it should. 
We've all seen the joys of a body that is healthy and is working and what that brings. So God is good to use easy-to-understand analogies and illustrations to help us connect to the body of Christ, him as a body. And, and so this morning we'll be, I'll be asking and attempting to answer, what does it look like to have a healthy body? What does it look like to have a body that is equipped to ministry? What does it look like to have a body that builds itself up in love? So let's jump in and we'll start with verses 11 and 12. Verse 11 says, and 11 and 12 says, and he gave, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of Christ. This is where we as the elders started. We asked the question, what, why are we here? What do we do as elders? What's our job? And we came to um, this passage. God gave the church, his church, gifts of people. Now, certainly God gives every Christian, everyone in his body, he gives them gifts. Um, that's, that's said in Ephesians, it's said elsewhere in scripture. But right here, he focuses in on a particular set of gifts. God gives um, his church, his body, these gifts, these apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and shepherds. And he gives them for a purpose. He gives them so that they can equip the saints for ministry. And one of the similarities for, for all of those offices, all of those giftings, all of those people, is that they are all word-focused gifts. The apostles said, we will devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and of prayer. Prophets would say, thus says the Lord, and then speak for God. Evangelists boldly declare the gospel to those who need it. Shepherds and teachers, well, they shepherd people according to the word of God, and they teach the word of God. These are all word-focused gifts. So the point of, of, of the elders, of teachers, of shepherds of these is to preach the word to equip God's people for ministry. I want us to notice here that it is, it's the word-focused gifts that equip that. So it, it is the word of God that equips. These gifts, these offices, these um, people with, with authority, elders, pastors... Me, even as I stand here, Sergei, as he stands here every week, your favorite pastor, whoever that may be. I wasn't meaning between us. I was just... <laughs> I was assuming somebody else out there. The point is... <laughs> we don't have authority on our own. Listen to your pastors, listen to your elders, as they declare the word of God. The only authority that we have comes from God himself, comes from scripture. Be equipped by those that minister the word of God to you. Listen to those that minister the word of God to you. Weigh their words carefully. So I don't want to sweep my legs out from under me as I'm up here. 
But I want to say that, that my authority is not my own. My authority is the word of God. And because God's word has authority, we should listen. These are gifts that God has given his people. To minister the word and to equip. It's also really important that we get this order right. And we understand the purpose of leaders. Particularly word uh, focused leaders. If you are a leader in the church, or if you are a church member, the progression goes like this. God has given gifts. God has given these people to proclaim the word to you so that you are equipped to do ministry. So that you are equipped to do the work of building up the body. It means that everyone here, everyone that can hear my voice, if you are a part of the body of Christ, you have ministry to do. You have work to do. There is a body around us that needs to be built up, and you are a part of that. We are a part of that. We all do this work together. It's not the job of the leadership alone. It's not the job of um, the pastor to do all of the work. It's the job of the church. The church displays the glory of God. The church makes disciples. The pastor, the elders, the leaders, we are a part of that. But each of us has work to do. Each of us has ministry to participate in. This is a good time for each of us to ask ourselves, how do we view the church? How do we view our participation in the church? A really common view is that it's the job of the professionals to do the ministry. It's a job of the pastor, it's a job of the leaders, it's a job of the elders. They should visit the, sh- the sick. They should share the gospel. They should encourage the downcast. They should help people fight their sin. Absolutely, right? Amen, yes. Pastors, elders, leaders should absolutely do those, do those things. Some of us are even paid to do those things. But we can't sit back and demand that they do all of it. One, we would be shooting ourselves in the foot. And we would be missing out on the joy that it is to minister. To take part in ministry. To share the glory of God with the rest of the world. How do you view the church? Do you see it mostly as a spectator sport? Where you come and you sit and you listen, you sing and you go home. Or do you view it as something that you actively participate in? Here in our passage we see very clearly this is a participation. We are a part of the body. Paul says at the end of our passage that the whole body is joined together and when each part is working properly, then the body of Christ will be built up in love. We each have a part to play. We each have work to be done. 
If you are here, if you're listening online, I'm glad you are here and I'm glad you are listening. I want you to consider, as I consider, what gifts do you have to share? How can you participate in building up the body of Christ? How can you participate in showing the glory of God to the universe? We need you to do that. I need you to do that. You need those that are sitting around you. I want you to take just a moment and stop looking at me and look around you. You need the people around you. And the people around you need you. You are, as, as you hear the word taught, as you read in your own Bibles, you are being equipped for ministry. So this is at least part of my answer of what does a healthy body look like. A healthy body is a body where the word of God is communicated and it is equipping others and then we are working together to build up the body of Christ. So every member working together to build up the body of Christ. What else does a healthy body look, look like? Let's look at 13 and 14. Verse 13 shows us positively what our goal is. Then verse 14 presents it negatively and then um, also shows us a little bit of more where, we, where reality is, where we might be. So verse 13. We do this until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We see that a healthy body is a body that is striving to be united together by faith and by knowledge of God. A healthy body is a mature body. And we measure that maturity not by age, but we measure that maturity by Jesus. He is the standard of maturity. One of the things as I was preparing, I noticed that verse 13 starts with until. Until we attain to the unity of the faith. Until we, plural, this is corporate, and, and Paul includes himself in this. Until we attain the unity of faith, until we attain the unity and the knowledge of God, until we are mature. Meaning, we're not yet there. We strive towards this goal. This is what a healthy body does. A healthy body strives towards that goal, towards unity of faith and unity and the knowledge of God. We strive towards maturity. I think it's, it's crazy that Paul includes himself in that. Like, like, Paul, you're not mature yet? And he says, no, because I'm not the standard. Jesus is the standard of maturity. So when you think of it that, it's not crazy. Um, it makes a lot of sense. We are, I am glad that, that Paul sees the world the way that he does and that the Spirit inspires him to write this. He, Jesus is the standard. So as we strive towards this, um, we also recognize that it, it does exist in us. There is faith in us. Paul is talking to Christians. There is some faith 
There is some knowledge of God, and there is some maturity, yet we strive more. So this is, it's the reality of the already and not yet. We already have faith, yet our faith is not yet perfected. We already have knowledge of Christ, yet it is not yet full. We are hopefully already mature and maturing, but we are not yet mature. So we strive together until we are, until Jesus comes back and makes all things new and makes all things perfect. I also want us to notice um, that we strive together to attain unity of faith and of knowledge. Unity is not the end goal itself, but unity in faith and unity in knowledge. We are united in faith of Jesus. We are united in the knowledge of Jesus. Nothing else. It's tempting to try to unite on other things. It's tempting to try to put Jesus and this other thing to unite on. But we are united in our faith Um, for for Jesus and our knowledge of who God is. And a healthy body has deep faith and deep knowledge of who God is. We want to trust Jesus more and more. We want to count it joy as we suffer through trials. We want to know God more and more. And this knowledge and this faith, it's not... um, It's not a static thing. And it's also not, again, it's not left for the pastor. Well, sure, the pastor needs to know God better. The elders need to go know God better. This faith and this knowledge is for all of us as a body. And faith is connected to knowledge of God. The more we know God, the more we can trust God. The more we trust God, the more we get to know him. They're interconnected. And it's not for knowledge's sake. Um, It's for experience. It's for our good. Uh, I'm reading with my small group, and I know many of the ladies are. We're reading the the knowledge of God. We're reading Packer's book. And Packer says this in his first chapter, speaking about theology or studying God. He says, It is the most practical project anyone can engage in. Knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives as it would be cruel to an Amazonian tribesman to fly him to London and put him down without explanation, leave him as one who knows nothing of English or England to fend for himself. That would be cruel. So we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing the God whose world it is and who runs it. As we seek the knowledge of God, we don't seek knowledge for knowledge's sake. We seek knowledge because we want to know God. We seek knowledge because without God, this world doesn't make any sense. But when we know the Creator, we can have faith and we can have trust. And we can try to make sense of it. And when we can't make sense of it, we have faith that God is good. This is what a healthy body looks like. A healthy body has deep faith and deep knowledge. A healthy body measures maturity by Jesus himself 
Again, one of my favorite things about um, this church, about my small group in particular, is that we have, how I like to say it, um, more seasoned saints than myself in it. Um, and it is, I, I often find myself thinking, I want to be like them when I grow up. I want to have the faith that they have. And, and one of the reasons why this is true is because they know they're not the standard. They know that Jesus is the standard. So I see in, in, in so many of the older saints here, I see this deep desire to continue growing in Christ. To not settle and say, you know what? That was for my, that was for my working years. That was for, for my youth when I had the energy. We don't arrive. Because Jesus is the standard. We continue striving towards maturity. And as we mature, we'll be, we will no longer be like children who are easily deceived and tricked. Who are tossed around by the waves. And here specifically, Paul has in mind the, the waves of, of false doctrine. There's a contrast between the mature man and the child who is tossed around. The mature knows God and has faith in God. The child is tossed around by any new doctrine that pops up. Any new idea about God or about the church that pops up. If you don't know God, if you don't know his word, something new comes up and you're like, well, that sounds good. I like that. And you're thrown to this side. And someone says, well, I don't know about that, but this thing over here sounds good. And you're like, oh, that's great. And you're thrown over to this side. And you're just tossed around because you have no anchor. You have no root. Paul also here, I think he's warning us that there are those who want to deceive. They want to trick us. They scheme. They're crafty. They follow their father. The father of lies. So they lie to God's people. They follow their father who is the deceiver. They seek to deceive us with false doctrines. But if we know that Jesus is the measure of maturity, if we seek his fullness, if we have deep knowledge of him, if we know who he is, the new doctrines, they won't trip us up. They won't toss us around. We will be able to be mature. Very quickly, I want to give um, a couple of examples that I think are tossing the church around right now. This is not specific to us, but, um, but certainly it is things that we are dealing with. I think, I think the, the enemy is crafty and people are crafty, and sometimes it's as simple as making something that is important seem ultimate. Something that is good seem like it is, it is the main thing. So one of the things that, that I think we, we see is uh, the importance of, of politics. We see that becoming ultimate. And we see the church tossed around by it. That if you don't agree with my political beliefs, I'm not really with you. You're against me and I'm against you. We quickly lose the supremacy of the gospel. We quickly lose the supremacy of God's word. We don't see Jesus as our head. Instead, we see a political party as our head or ideologies 
as our head. I think this is a danger for the church. I think another way um, we can fall is we can be trapped into thinking that the gospel is the same as doing good. Meaning it is the good works that is actually the gospel, is the good works that save. And we should seek to protect those that need protecting. And, and this is absolutely true that we should. But this is something that I see people that I know walk away from the truth of the gospel as they fight for what is quote-unquote good. They lose the gospel as they try to help people. In the end, end up not helping people. Yet, I think at the same time, an equal danger that I see, again, people that, that I know I see, is to say the gospel is divorced from what we do in the world. That it only matters what we believe. We don't have to actually help people. I think this is really easy. I think, again, this is, we see contention here in the church. Not, again, not necessarily here, but the church feels that tension and contention between should we fight for injustice, fight against injustice, or should we just preach the gospel? We're tossed around by this. But a healthy body is unified in the faith and knowledge of Jesus. It is mature doesn't use that maturity for itself, but it, it builds up. It grows. We'll finish our passage with verses 15 and 16. Again, in, in, in contrast to the schemers and deceivers and liars, rather, verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So a healthy body speaks truth in love. Rather than lie, as our enemies do, we speak truth. Rather than being harsh and unloving, we speak truth in love. I think this is one of the, the main ways that Christians can be distinct in the world we live in today. To speak truth in love. The world around us, and, and if we're honest, we ourselves often fall on one side or the other. We divorce truth from love, yet it is married. It is not meant to be apart. Jesus says, I am truth. I am the truth. Scripture says, God is love. They're not separate from each other, and they never should be. In fact, you can't really separate them. But, but we try to, and we, we fall off on one side. First, truth is under attack. It's not new that truth is under attack. Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? Truth has been under attack since Satan entered the garden and said, did God really say? But we should stand for truth and we should fight for truth. But I think what's clear 
from the context of this passage and from Scripture. The truth that we stand on and the truth that we fight for is the truth of God's Word. So as we fight for truth, as we stand on truth, make sure you are standing on God's Word. This is not, Paul's not encouraging us here to generic truth. Although that's important. To be truthful always is important. But here, Paul is encouraging us to the truth of the gospel. To the truth of God's word. To speak that truth in love. Truth is under attack, but we must stand firmly. Many people, and we've all seen it, they think, I don't care how I say it. Because what I'm saying is true. They don't care who I'm saying it to because what I'm saying is true. Speak the truth in love. Other people, we think love gets to define truth. Love doesn't define truth. Love and truth are married. In fact, if you divorce the two, and you say, I'm going to have love to find truth, you lose love. It is inherently, inherently unloving to speak lies to someone. So don't divorce the truth from love. I think that this, um, this absolutely applies to how we speak. 1 Corinthians, the love chapter, says if, if we have speech without love, we are a clanging symbol. Even if we have prophecy without love, we are nothing. So it applies to how we speak. It applies to how we interact online. When we're quick to jab at others or put down our enemies, we are speaking without love. This applies to our tone. The truth is not meant to hurt. It's meant to build up. Build up each other in love. Even when the truth is painful. I would say especially when the truth is painful. Speak lovingly, graciously, kindly. When you tell someone, if you don't trust in Jesus, you will suffer the wrath of God. That's painful truth. Speak it lovingly. Speak it kindly. Not only does it apply to our tone of voice and what we say, but it, it also applies to why we say what we say. Ask yourself, why do I want to speak? Why do I want to say what I want to say? Is your motivation for speaking to someone hoping to win an argument? That's not speaking the truth in love. Even if you're kind. If your motivation is to make yourself feel better. To show that you're right and they're wrong. Even if you speak gently, that's not speaking the truth in love. Our goal should be to build up the person we are speaking to. to. We speak the truth in love, out of love for the ones we are speaking to, and out of love for the one who is truth. So as we do this, as we speak the truth in love, we build up the body and we grow together into Christ who is our head. He's in charge. 
He's in control. He decides where the body goes, what the body does. He says, feet move this way, hands move that way, eyes look here. We grow up into Christ. This includes and is especially true of leadership. If church leadership isn't submitting to to Christ as the head, then they won't lead the body where the head wants to go. So pray for your leaders. Pray for your elders. Pray for the church that they would submit to Christ. When we all work together as we should, each member of the body being equipped, each member doing what it should do, we use our gifts to edify others, to build up the church, to minister to others. When we are united in faith and knowledge of Jesus, when we are striving to be mature, and that maturity is measured by Jesus, This is what a healthy church looks like. This is what a healthy body looks like. Of course, this won't ultimately happen until Jesus comes. But a healthy church strives towards these things. Our passage ends in saying, when each part is working together, the body grows so that it builds itself up in love. I think love here is central. Love is how the body began. Love is why the body began. Love is how someone becomes a part of the body. Jesus came to earth because he loved his creation. Jesus gave his life because he loved the world. Most famous verse probably, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Love builds the body. Jesus builds the body on love. In fact, a different John 3.16. 1 John 3.16. I thought it was funny. Says this. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Later on in 1 John, in chapter 4, it says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The connections here between the gospel and love for each other and building up the body is unmistakable. God loves us and loved us with costly love. With love that he sent his own son to die. Jesus loved us by giving his life so that we can have life. By conquering death so we don't experience it. If you don't know this love, this love that builds the body, this love that equips the body, this love that has us grow, then I implore you, repent of your sins and turn to Jesus. Jesus. 
He is a loving and merciful God. His desire is for you to have life. Life in him. Life in his body. Life in a healthy body. If you are a Christian, if you have experienced the love of God that has brought you into this body, let's not miss the connections. Because we are loved, let us love one another. Let us build each other up. Let us minister together and build up the body. As we come to the table, if you don't know Jesus, don't come up. Don't participate. Instead, repent. Turn from your sins. Believe in Jesus. Trust in his life and death and resurrection on your behalf. If you do know Jesus, you do know his love, then come and eat and drink fresh from his love. Be built up as we come together. We're going to come and take communion here. Um, We'll come forward as you're able. There's communion set up here, and there's communion in the balconies. Um, We, I think, also still have the prepackaged that you could get. Um, Or if you're unable to come up but would still like to take this communion, you can um, raise your hand and an elder will bring communion to you. Let's pray and let's remember God's deep love for us. So let's eat and drink of it together. Lord, you are good. You are good in so many ways. You have given us so many gifts. Not the least of is your word. Your word that is authoritative. Your word that shows us who you are. Your word that shows us how to live. Your word that equips us to do good for others. Lord, we come before you. And we come only on the basis of your love for us. We come only on the basis of Jesus' death and resurrection. Our life is hid with you. Our life is not our own. It has been bought by you. We thank you. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.